Six minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Show my little 
בשיר בשיר, בשיר וכל תודה. בשיר בשיר בשיר, בשיר וכל תודה. בשיר וכל תודה, נברך ללוקנו על ארץ חמדה טובה שהנהלה אבותינו. מזון וצדע הצביעה לנפשנו, אז לא גבר עלינו באמת השם. Thank you. 
the cast of Raza de Shabbos with a uh, selection they entitled the Rabbi Shmuel Brazil Shabbos Medley. Before that, Tzormi Shalom from the Zemiros All-Stars. Kol Mikadesh, the CD entitled Around the Shabbos Table. Medley from Shabbos with the Werdigers and Regesh, of course. Modani opening things up as we say good morning. It's a JMAM Friday on this May 29th, day 11 in the month of Sivan. Lots of uh, Erev Shabbos selections this morning. Yeah, I'm in the mood on this Friday morning of some great Erev Shabbos selections. Erev Shabbos Parshas Nusso. Longest Shabbos of the year, so I'm playing some long Shabbos medleys. <laughs> That's a stretch, huh? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, candle lighting time at 7.59. 7.59 is candle lighting time. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, 7.59, official candle lighting time on this Erev Shabbos. 67 degrees, 66% humidity. Winds are northeast at 9 miles per hour. Mostly sunny, high of 81. Some of these mornings, and trust me, I've seen a lot of early mornings, some of these mornings have been just spectacular. I mean, just spectacular. You walk outside a morning like today, the humidity is not so bad, 66%, which is much better than, than normally in this area. And it's just uh, calm and and cool and in some areas breezy. We've had some really nice mornings, I must say. Let's hope the weather holds up because we have a big, big weekend, that's for sure. So mostly sunny today with a high 81, partly cloudy tonight and tomorrow. Low tonight, 64. Tomorrow, the high 84 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 70 and we are at 67 degrees here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM and the end. By the way, the weather forecast for Sunday, which I know a lot of people are are worried about. Monday's worse, by the way. Monday's the real rain day, it looks like. And Tuesday as well, they're calling for rain. It, it says for Sunday, scattered thunderstorms. So I'm hoping that we're able to dodge the weather bullet and have a massive crowd and an incredible day on Fifth Avenue in New York City. It's, of course, Celebrate uh, Israel Parade Weekend. A lot of great events, a lot of wonderful things. The centerpiece being the parade up Fifth Avenue uh, on Sunday. And um, we are going to be uh, between 64th and 65th Streets on the west side of Fifth Avenue. Webcasting, audio casting, video casting, live around the world. You can watch everything at NahumSiegel.com. You can hear everything on the NSN app. And uh, you can comment on the NSN app. And we'll be heading uh, to the to the mid-60s on Fifth Avenue early Sunday morning. Uh, we'll get on the air um, with Mark Zomick, Miriam L. Wallach, and our entire team at about 11 a.m. Eastern time. So make sure to be tuned in. We have some amazing people that have been very generous to make sure that we're going to sound as good as we could possibly sound on Fifth Avenue's coming Sunday, including Ronnie and Larry Birnbaum, Jay Drugs. In Brooklyn, New York, including Doug Sokloff and the amazing kitchen sink company and concept, and uh, including the uh, wonderful people at the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Yerushalayim. So we thank all of them. It is going to be quite a day on Fifth Avenue this coming Sunday. And again, we hope everybody takes the opportunity to come on out and enjoy. And of course, you can watch everything, as I said, on AchimSiegel.com and hear everything on the NSN app and listen on our stream at jmnam.org and uh, participate and celebrate Israel. And if you're tuned in from around the world, we're more than happy to greet you. You can email us. All the email addresses should be open. The app, of course, will have the home screen where you can comment on the NSN app. And uh, it'll be a great day Sunday in New York City. And we're not going to worry about the weather at this point. We're just going to focus on how great a celebration for Israel we'll be able to have on Sunday. 20 minutes before 7 o'clock, JM in the AM. We're about an hour away from the weekly update, Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. There's plenty of news to discuss from this week. He'll join us to discuss the news of this week uh, coming up during the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Or by Uden, of course, at 8.15. Uh, we'll wrap up the week at 9 a.m. and then head into our Friday era of Shabbos programming, including Naomi Nachman, who's brand new with a fantastic show entitled Table for Two, into our Kedem era of Shabbos music mix, all the way until candle lighting times. So there's plenty for you to hear all through the day on our stream at jmandtheam.org. Keep it right here. It's a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM and the AM.
with Shlomo Simcha, a uh, CD entitled Shabbos with Shlomo Simcha here at JMAM. The Rabbi's sons before that talk about oldies but goodies. We're going to be doing a lot of uh, talk about oldies but goodies when we take a look at the Nostalgia CD by Moshe Menlowitz this coming Monday. Shia Menlowitz is going to join us, and he's promised me some uh, amazing other guests as well. I should say other amazing guests as well as we get into the subject of uh, classics, oldies but goodies. Nostalgia in the world of Jewish music. A lot to talk about in that area, that's for sure. As we get older and older, there's plenty to talk about when it comes to nostalgia. We'll do that Monday with the brand new Nostalgia CD at JM in the AM.
Uh, Dove Levine had Keladon off his Miros All-Stars Volume 2. You heard Rosa Shabbos earlier. It's a Friday morning, May 29th, the 11th of Sivan, the uh, Erev Shabbos Parshas Nusso. Candle lighting time at 7.59. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 7.59 is the official candle lighting time on this Erev Shabbos. As we, uh, we get into the, we're getting into the longest Shabbatot now, right? I think the latest candle lighting time in the New York area is going to be, uh, what is it, June 26th, right? Yeah, June 26th. It's just about a month from now. It's going to be the latest candle lighting time. And then we're going to start heading back in the other direction, believe it or not. Um, make sure you're in the direction of the Fifth Avenue northbound on Sunday, because if that's the direction you're in, you'll be marching up Fifth Avenue and participating in the big Celebrate Israel parade. In New York City, we're getting ready for a great Sunday. Don't forget, we hit the uh, airwaves or the uh, our stream, our network, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, so make sure to be tuned in. We'll be uh, on the avenue from 11 a.m. until 3 p.m. with plenty to hear and plenty to see. Um. There is nothing like the Celebrate Israel Parade. We've been talking about this now for a couple of weeks. If you've never been there, give it a try. It is a fun day and a wonderful day to get out and celebrate Israel, as the name suggests. Hey, want to wish a mazel tov to Elimelech Sperling, his uh, Ufruf, Brooklyn, New York. His Ufruf takes place this Shabbos. Elimelech Sperling, mazel tov to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world in the web, jmtheam.org. Golly, it's on the background. News from Israel coming up, and there's plenty of news to analyze during our weekly update. About 7.40 this morning, Malcolm Honline will join us. Weekly update will commence here at JM in the AM. We'll go through some of the events of this week. Try to bring up the, um, I'm going to try to bring up the fact that now there are a couple of more contenders for President of the United States whose hats are in the ring. Discuss that with Malcolm. A whole bunch of other stuff as well. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. It's JM in the AM. Galitzal, Ashtayim, Khan Shibel Karmi Mansur, Imashakore Akshav. אזרח לבנוני נעצר בקפריסין בחשד שתכנן פיגוע נגד ישראלים. כתבנו עומר קדרון. בפשיטה בלרנקה על בית החשוד, צעיר לבנוני בן 26, בעל אזרחות קנדית בנוסף, מצא משטרת קפריסין כ-400 קופסאות של דשן במשקל כולל של כשני טונות ועוד כעשרת אלפים אירו במזומן. בקפריסין דווח כי לחשוד היו קשרים עם ארגון חיזבאללה וכי הוא תכנן להשתמש בחומרים לייצור חומרי נפץ שהיו עלולים להיות מכוונים נגד מטרות ישראליות. קונגרס פיפא בציריך יצא להפסקת צהריים ובשעות הקרובות צפויה ההצבעה על השעיית ישראל ממפעלי הארגון. כתבנו שמואל מוניץ מוסר שמוקדם יותר הפגינו מחוץ לאולם ובתוכו מפגינים פרו-פלסטינים. נשיא פיפא סאפ בלטר קרא למצוא פתרון שירצה את שני הצדדים. ראש הממשלה נתניהו התייחס בצהריים שוב לניסיונות להביא להדחת ישראל ותקף את הפלסטינים. כתבתנו אילאיל שחר. המהלך הפלסטיני להחרים את ישראל בפיפא נובע מההתנגדות זכותנו לקיים מדינה משלנו, כותב נתניהו בעמוד הפייסבוק שלו ומוסיף, נמשיך להיאבק במסע הדה-לגיטימציה הציני שמתנהל לגדנו, ובסופו של דבר ננצח משום שאנחנו צודקים. אם פיפא תפגע בישראל נקבל השחתה של הכדורגל על ידי הכפפתו לשיקולים זרים.
בעניין אחר הוסיף נתניהו כי אין שמץ של אמת כלשונו בטענות שלפיהן בני בגין סירב להתפטר מהממשלה וציין כי הוא פועל להשאילו, להשאירו כשר. התחתה השביתה ברכבת שתוכננה ליום ראשון הקרוב. העובדים וההנהלה הסכימו להיכנס למשא ומתן בין שבועיים בניסיון להגיע להסכמות. כתבנו ניתאי ענבי שמע בבית הדין לעבודה את ראש איגוד עובדי התחבורה בהסתדרות, אבי אדרי, ואת סמנכ"ל משאבי האנוש ברכבת, ירון הדרי. אנחנו יושבים לשבועיים למשא ומתן בחסות בית הדין, בפגישות דו-יומיות. ביום ראשון הרכבות נוסעות. מצד אחד ההנהלה לא תוכל לנייד עובדים באופן חד-צדדי, במשך שבועיים אנחנו נשב למשא ומתן. מצד שני, גם אנחנו לא ננקוט בצעדים ארגוניים. המשבר הזה בסופו של דבר ייפתר רק סביב שולחן משא ומתן. ביתו של הרב עובדיה יוסף, הרבנית עדינה בר שלום, מותחת ביקורת חריפה על טשטוש פניהן של שרות הממשלה החדשה, בין היתר בביטאון ש"ס, יום ליום. כתבנו רום ליאור שמע אותה בכינוס בנושא ציונות בתל אביב. מה זה צריך להיות הדבר הזה? אולי הם רוצים שאנחנו נלך עוד פעם עם רעלות? אדם לא יכול להסתכל בפנים של אישה ולהרגיש אישה נאה, בריאה נאה ברא הקדוש ברוך הוא? מה קורה לנו? אני חוששת מאוד מאוד שאם זה ימשיך, אנחנו נצטרך לכסות את פנינו. כמה מאות בני אדם משתתפים כעת בירושלים בהפגנה המכונה צעדת השרמוטות בקריאה כי לבוש חשוף לא מצדיק הטרדה מינית. כתבתנו תמר ירושלמי הייתה שם. מטוס של חברת איזיג'ט שהמריא מלונדון לישראל נאלץ לשוב על עקבותיו לאחר שארבעה מאנשי הצוות חשו ברע. מהחברה נמסר כי הנוסעים הועברו למלון מקומי והם יוצאו מחר לארץ בטיסה חלופית. התחזית מחר בלי שינוי של ממש בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר בצוות לי עמרם אילת ועמית פומפס.
That's Aish with the Mimkomcha, 11 minutes after 7 o'clock. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Nusso. Good morning, everybody. JM in the AM. Uh, it's Celebrate Israel weekend. You know what that means. Fifth Avenue will be the place this coming Sunday for the big parade. Make sure you're there. I know there'll be an amazing representation from the Yeshiva Day schools and uh, really a whole bunch of schools from around the area. Um, and many other groups and organizations as well. Look forward to seeing everybody on Sunday. We'll be there on 5th Avenue between 64th and 65th Street, broadcasting on the west side of the street. You can tune into the Nahum Siegel Network here on jmnam.org. On the NSN app, you can watch everything at Uh The video will be up and running. Should be a uh, a wonderful day on 5th Avenue, as always. Um, the concert in the park is going to go until 7.30 p.m. We'll be there with some amazing stars, Lipa and God Elbaz and Avram Rosenblum and a whole bunch of great stars from Israel. Shlomi Dax and his orchestra and many others are going to be in concert this coming Sunday, 72nd Street and 5th Avenue, right there inside at the Summer Stage in Central Park. That'll go until about 7.30 p.m. I want to thank those who are responsible for our broadcast on Sunday from Fifth Avenue. Larry and Ronnie Birnbaum of J Drugs in Brooklyn, New York. A big thank you to them. As we've always said, they are the prime example in our audience and in our JMNAM family of people who love celebrating Israel. They do a lot of great things for the community. I can sit here all day and talk about them. But when it comes to celebrating Israel, I believe that's their number one cause. And they are good at it. A big thank you to Doug Sokloff, who always makes a splash on Parade Day, in this case with his amazing brand-new company entitled uh, or or known as Kitchen Sink, K-I-T-C-H-N-S-Y-N-C-H. And um, they are making it possible for us to be on the avenue this coming Sunday. And a big shout-out and thank you to American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem, also giving an amazing opportunity to us to broadcast live uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, by the way, I got a note early this morning from uh, Miriam L. Wallach. She asked us to thank, and rightfully so, Petopia and Edenwalk. Petopia and Edenwalk, which are located, Petopia is right across the street from B&H, I believe, right? I believe so. And I believe they have another uh, location in, in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, and Edenwalk, which is located on 34th Street, they are both food sponsors for this coming Sunday. Yeah, which means... <laughs> which means unlike what some people uh, undergo when they go to the parade and forget to pack a lunch, uh, we will not be uh, hungry on Fifth Avenue. They'll be taking good care of us, and we greatly appreciate it, so thank you very much for that. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, there's a great post on the Nahum Siegel Network Facebook update page. It's simply entitled Nahum Siegel Network. There's a great post there about the 10 things you'll see at the Celebrate Israel Parade, and we'd love for you to add to that. And I believe at some point, I have to, at some point we're going to post our, um, 
Our parade bingo boards. Our parade bingo boards are going to be posted on the Nahum Siegel Network uh, Facebook update page. So make sure to um, make sure to, that you make sure to to go ahead and the like uh, the Nahum Siegel Network Facebook update page. This way you'll be able to see it. Um, <laughs> there's a news item. If you go to NahumSiegel.com in the news section, there's a news item about the bingo cards. Uh, all I got to do now is figure out how to link to it. And, um, oh, I think this is it. I think this is the page. So I'm going to do this right now. I'm going to post this to Facebook. I'm going to post this to Facebook and, um, and see if in fact this works. Could you imagine I'm doing this live on the air? I'm so confident now when it comes to social media. It's, uh, nah, it didn't work. Okay. It didn't work because we're using two different computers here. Um, but we'll get it up there. Don't worry. Nahum Siegel Network Facebook update page will have the uh, parade bingo cards that you need in order to uh, go to Fifth Avenue and mark off the, <laughs> the different things that uh, you'll likely see uh, at some point on Sunday. 16 minutes after 7 o'clock, JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline, about a half hour from now, we're going to be exploring the um, – the news of the week, something that we call the weekly update, the news of the week. And, boy, it's another complicated week, isn't it? Always seems to be a complicated week. Um, so Malcolm will join us coming up here at JM in the AM about 7.40 this morning with the weekly update. Rabbi Yudin, of course, and plenty more before we wrap things up at 9 o'clock this morning. Reminder, we have amazing programming all through the weekend, not just the parade show, but tomorrow night our programming kicks off with Avrami and Saturday Night Seagull. On Sunday, Matis, I'm sure, is going to be giving us a million reminders about the parade show during the JM Sunday program, which Matis does live every single Sunday morning between 7 and 9 Eastern time. By the way, that show does feature news in English from Israel. So you can get a really good perspective in English for those who are sometimes frustrated because we have our newscast in Hebrew every single day. On Sunday, it's in English at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. So you can check that out and enjoy. Um, that starts at 7 o'clock. That's right, 7 o'clock. Uh, right after JM and the AM this morning, Table for Two with Naomi Nachman features blogger Liz Rubin of Kosher Like Me, Grillmaster Ellie Hoffman, and Jesse Blonder, owner of CKCA. Uh, who shares the announcement that uh, Naomi Nachman is going to cooking school this summer at the Manhattan location. Get all the details by tuning in between 9 and 10 this morning right here on jmnam.org and the NSN app. And in addition to, <coughs> in addition to that, Kedem presents the Erev Shabbos music mix from 10 a.m. Eastern time all the way until candle lighting. Make sure you're tuned in for that on our stream at jmnam.org and the NSN app. More coming up. It's JM in the AM. Shay's <laughs> 
Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Parshas Nusso, candle lighting at 7.59 on this era of Shabbos, 7.59. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. It's Celebrate Israel uh, weekend as we get ready for the big parade on Sunday. We'll be on Fifth Avenue. Make sure to join us, everybody. Kol Salonika had Rachem. You heard Losev Oshi from Strilly Williger from the Kalbach Friday Night CD. Baruch Kel Elyon done by Dove Levine here at JM in the AM. 23 minutes before the hour, Malcolm Honeline minutes away as we uh, go into the, uh, get into the weekly update. Start talking about some of the uh, things happening in the news this week, and there's always a lot. Seems it's not, not a week that doesn't have, uh, comprehensive news items to discuss and different things that we've got to explore. Uh, listener Fivel, thank you for that, um, posting on our app. I appreciate that information. Want to thank the listener who just posted. I usually listen in New York. What a pleasure listening in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Thank you for that. Uh, you can always comment on our app, the NSN app on the home screen. I thank the listeners who go ahead and do so. 
It's much appreciated. Don't forget to like our Nahum Single Network Facebook update page. If you like that page, you'll see our uh, post that has to do with uh, things, uh, uh, 10 things you'll think about during the parade, uh, 10 things you'll see during the Celebrate Israel Parade. Those are two separate lists. Plus, later this morning, I'm told, we're going to be posting the parade bingo cards, the <laughs> which have which have a box for each item that you'll likely see at the parade, and you've got to find them, of course. I also want to thank those who have been commenting on Facebook, you know, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's unbelievable. Oh, and thank you, Joseph. Joseph's referring to number five. Now I gotta go to my Facebook update page and see which one was number five in the list. Um, oh, I hope it doesn't rain. Yeah. Five is a concern this year, but hopefully we'll get through that. And thank you for mentioning on Facebook that you like seeing us there at the parade. Miriam L. Wallach and Mark Zomick and the entire team are very much looking forward to it. Um, so, Yesterday, I have posted a lot on Facebook. Now, not a lot compared to some people out there, but I've posted over the years. And, you know, depending on the post, the news item, what it is, I don't know, five likes, 10, 20, 30 maybe, comments, a sorted handful here and there, you know, like everybody on Facebook. Yesterday, I post, <laughs> after the whole rant that I had on the air about the thermostat in this building, still complaining about it, by the way. Uh, I post the following. True or false, if you're working at the same radio station for 31 years, you deserve a key to the thermostat. 144 likes and 50 comments. <laughs> I'll tell you. I want to thank listener David. He says, just be happy to give you access to a microphone. Better question, he says, why is the thermostat even locked? Oh, that's a long story. Come on. We don't have time for that. I would really need Ken Friedman to join me on the air to explore that issue of why we lock the uh, thermostat to begin with. That would take a while, I can tell you that much. Uh, someone sent me a, uh, a flyer that Ruby Harris is in a con- in a Kumsitz concert tomorrow night, starting at 10 p.m. at Congregation Bay Tillel in the Flatlands area of Brooklyn. The great Ruby Harris. You have an opportunity to see him in concert tomorrow night. And the rumor is that Ruby's going to be joining uh, Avram Rosenblum Sunday at the Israel Day concert in Central Park. They're going to be performing together. That is the rumor, which is pretty amazing. Uh, this listener just posted on our app, I usually listen in Switzerland. This year I'm in Jerusalem. This year? Oh, I guess for the parade show he means this year in Jerusalem. Well, thank you for that. Or she means. I don't know. I don't know if that listener is a he or she. Coming up at 9 o'clock, table for two. Naomi Nachman, that will be available on the NahumSiegel.com homepage uh, to watch. You don't, have to, you don't have to only listen to that show. You can actually watch it at 9 o'clock this morning. So I'll be coming up on our site uh, 9 a.m. this morning here at uh, NahumSiegel.com. Uh, more coming up here at JM in the AM. One, we'll, let's do one more from Cole Salonica at JM in the AM.
Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Cole Salonika speaking of oldies but goodies, and remember that uh, Monday we'll really be speaking about oldies but goodies, because we're going to be focusing on the, the nostalgia CD that Moshe Mendlowitz has released, and Shia Mendlowitz tells me that he has a couple of real experts on oldies but goodies who are going to join us on Monday for the discussion, and we will open up the phone lines for our listeners as well. So if you have a comment about one of the songs they recorded on this CD or about any oldie but goodie, you'll have your chance on Monday. A throwback nostalgia day here at JM in the AM. Looking forward to it. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM with candle lighting at 7.59. Many synagogues begin earlier on this era of Shabbos Parsha's Nusso Parade. is Sunday, of course. Big thank you to all of our sponsors, all the people that are making it possible for, to be, for us to be on Fifth Avenue this coming uh, Sunday in our big webcast, audio, video, etc. Pray for good weather, everybody, of course. Big thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue enthusiastically uh, recommend our incredible live stream to all their hundreds of thousands of readers. We thank them. And a big thank you to OnlySimchas.com that has really incorporated a lot of things going on here every single morning into their news feed and their brand new format, which is expanded and lovely and uh, includes a lot more than just Simchas. So a big thank you to OnlySimchas.com. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, good morning and good Arab Shabbos. Good Arab Shabbos to you. I'm going to reiterate what I've said with Michael Miller and I've said independently as well on these airwaves this week. It is not time to focus on who should or shouldn't be at the parade. It is not time to focus on those who feel the need to express their opposition to the parade. It's time to focus on celebrating Sunday and making it a great day of support for the state of Israel. Can you help me emphasize this to our precious audience? Well, if they haven't heard you say it till now, I guess it's not going to help much, but it, <laughs> it is about who should be there. It's not about who shouldn't be there. It's about everyone taking part, even if they can come for a while, if they can come for the whole thing and the concert thereafter. It says the presence makes a difference, and people always say, it's, what can they do? This is the answer. All right, there you go, exactly. So I hope everybody heeds that advice and spends a day celebrating. We're so good at uh, when it comes to the bad times, as you've emphasized many times for us. Let's show that we are good when it comes to the good times as well. Um, all right, so the President of the United States visits a uh, synagogue in Washington, D.C. last Friday. Erev, a three-day yontif. Amazing, huh? Chooses, chooses a very interesting time to visit a synagogue and reiterates, of course, the commitment uh, to Israel and discusses the history of the relationship between the U.S. and Israel and, of course, what they're doing today. And you've emphasized that cooperation many, many times. Uh, I assume the key is what the analysts have been saying. He had to get out there and make a real case for the U.S.-led Iran deal. Did he do that, and did he make a good case for it last Friday? I don't think he particularly did. did a, a job to sell the Iran deal, except uh, this uh, new line, which is that you know his name will be on it, and he's young, and he'll be around to face the consequences if it fails. And therefore, he he did reiterate that he's not going to sign a bad deal. Uh, I don't think he addressed some of the substantive issues, which is what people are concerned about. And you saw the French this week come out several times, and the Fabius, the foreign minister. Uh, escalating some of the rhetoric, uh, including till yesterday, about uh, their objections and even that they will not support it if it doesn't include 
the intrusive inspections of the military facilities, because otherwise every military base will just become a place to hide what they're really doing. And the um, the further revelations about the North Korean delegation that's there and that they are forging closer uh, ballistic and nuclear ties and that this becomes a cover so they can say that they're not doing it, but in fact North Korea will be doing it for them. They've long had a synergistic relationship in, in their nuclear programs. And the um, I think the, the key questions really remain, and you have less than a month uh, to the June 30th supposed deadline. I'm not sure it will be the deadline. And it was further complicated by the announcement that the lead U.S. negotiator, Wendy Sherman, uh, who was the last of the original negotiators, uh, is leaving, and it says shortly after June 30th. And I think that that, people are interpreting it in many ways. I think she wanted to leave for a long time, and I'm not sure that it, it indicates uh, much more than that. But certainly the, the feeling about who will oversee this if they do reach an, an agreement, who are they going to be the mature and experienced uh, people? There are technocrats, certainly, who who will continue. But I think that the the questions that people have about the, um, about the substance of the program, this is not about the politics. We see Iran expanding its activities in Yemen, new recruits, new fighters being trained, IRGC, the Iran Revolutionary Guard, admitting that they're doing it, talking about they want uh, wanting to be on the border of uh, of Saudi Arabia by virtue of their presence in, in Yemen, and that's a traditional enemy and, and this long-running proxy battle. Then you have them also at Baba Mandab, which we've discussed many times. It gives them control over this key trade route for, for the shipment of oil. I mean, there's many other considerations. In addition, this becomes another jumping-off point uh, uh, for them. So the, the I don't think that today people feel more comfortable about the essence of the deal than they did a week ago or 10 days ago. What do you think of the president's line that his name is on it and he'll, you know, He'll, he'll be one of those affected years from now by it. Do you roll your eyes when you hear a statement like that? I mean, it's completely irrelevant to the process of trying to clamp down on Iran. Well, I think that it does appeal to some people, but um, it tells you his perspective that, that he's taking ownership of it or that he feels that uh, uh, he could be held accountable years later. I don't think that there's necessarily uh, a correlation of that kind, but it is an interesting uh, approach. New tactic, let's say. Yeah, it, uh, Malcolm, we, we often discuss the real numbers when it comes to the Jewish vote in the United States. We know it's overwhelmingly democratic, and we know that the overwhelmingly Jews in the United States, even though this audience doesn't always remember that, are pro-two-state solutions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What's the real numbers in the polls when it comes to the American Jewish community and this deal with Iran? When he walks into a synagogue like the one that he was in in Washington, D.C., does he have half of the support there, or the numbers are not close to that? On the Iran deal, there's actually a much broader consensus in the American Jewish community by every poll, and by the way, amongst the American people as a whole, even even a majority that would support military action to prevent Iran from becoming a nuclear power. I, I think in the Jewish community there is certainly broad consensus about this. I can tell you amongst the organizations and in Israel, the all of the political parties, as far as I know, share this uh, view and, and uh, abhorrence of the idea of Iran becoming nuclear power. And one of the things I suggest is that they should create 
even if they can't have a unity government or a united front on other issues on this, they should have. Right. And if you had to put a number to it, it would be, I mean, we're talking 60-70% or even more? Or? Uh, uh, certainly the 60-70% would be right. In the American... For, for, it depends on what. If the opposition to them being nuclear, it's in the 80s and 90s. If you're talking about that this specific, specific approaches to it or specific solutions, you, the numbers, of course, diminish a little bit. But it's it's very strong. All right. Um, the president of Israel this week said something that I thought was profound, as simple as it was. He said he's a soldier in the BDS movement. And I wish that every Jew in the world would take on that type of attitude, that we are all soldiers in the BDS movement. And by the way, we get more and more opportunities. We see that some popular rock groups continue to schedule trips to Israel, including one this week. Uh, there's a way to express support for them. Uh, especially when they have so many in Hollywood, some notables who are in their ear. Every one of these groups has somebody in their ear telling them not to go to Israel. And in addition to that, in general, we have an opportunity to be out there in the BDS fight. This is one of those things where people ask, what can I do, what can I do? And there are a lot of little and uh, and larger things that people can do to fight this fight. It's absolutely true, and we see more people being recruited to the banner to, who are beginning to understand what we've talked about for a long time and how many years we've warned about the BDS movement, and people didn't know what it stood for, and people didn't understand why we made a big deal about it. But you see how it's spreading from campus to campus, even if they don't win necessarily, and they have won on some campuses, and passing it as student initiatives, the universities themselves have not implemented the, uh, the BDS uh, boycotting Israeli products. Although you do have, uh, in some places, especially in Europe, where academics from Israel are barred, where exchange programs were canceled, and this this does spread. This is an insidious anti-Semitic movement. And again, I don't use the term lightly. It's anti-Semitic because this boycotts one people of a certain national origin, <coughs> not because they've done something unusual to, to the world. If they were announcing BDS movements against Syria, huh. with 200,000 dead, against Iran for the tens of thousands they killed, against Iraq, against all of the countries that are doing things, and then they said, and we don't like something Israel's doing, but you don't see it. It's not against anybody else. And when you single out one country like this and, uh, and of a particular religious affiliation, and the complaint against them is so uh, outrageous, and we saw it this week with the Amnesty International report. And Amnesty International hardly ever has anything good to say about Israel, but an awful lot to say that's critical. And yet they came out with a report saying that Hamas, um, which controls Gaza, obviously, arrested and tortured dozens of Palestinians, executed at least two dozen during the war against Israel, and, and that they used the war as a cover to carry out their uh, attempts to settle scores with the uh, members of Fatah, and some say even instigated the war and wanted the war because this gave them a cover to, to do what they wanted uh, inside Gaza. Have you seen the boycott calls? Have you seen <laughs> anybody, uh, the, the guys who want to organize flotillas? And what is the raison d'etre of Amnesty International? What is their stated purpose? No, well, they, they uh, go after people who are being arrested illegally, and it's, it's uh, advocacy, human rights advocacy. Right, they're, they're, they're out for justice. Army? They're out for justice. They, they're, I mean, so they say that they're well, their interpretation, right? Their interpretation of justice, <laughs> right? But, but, and, and you know, there's so much evidence. I asked a, a leading foreign official this week when about talking about the UN potential UN resolution against Israel this summer, this uh, fall, and the French and New Zealand, others are, are, you know, working on it, and 
I said to him, how come they haven't introduced a resolution against the digging of the tunnels now? Tens of millions of dollars have been diverted from the people of Gaza, intended for their rebuilding, rehabilitation, right. going into, into the tunnels. You know the tunnels are going to cross the border. They're again going to become, they have one purpose, and that is to kill. And I haven't seen one resolution condemning the building of the tunnels and saying that what actions you're going to take to, to punish Hamas for, for these activities and those who supported it. And, and it's, a, you know, it's a big activity because we see the big uh, earth movers and other things that, that are operating along the Gaza border. Uh, Israel obviously monitors it very carefully, and they have new technology, we hope, to, to detect this. Also, by the way, new technology to monitor mortars coming across uh, the border. Last time during the war, if you remember, hundreds, if not thousands of mortars were fired and now they have a system, an early warning system, that gives people at least some notice when uh, mortars, which have a different trajectory than the missiles, uh, are, are fired. So they can't be defeated by Iron Dome? They, they can't be, uh, no. And it's different than a regular red alert. It's, it's even better and more sophisticated. More sophisticated and, and targeting specifically the firing of mortars because uh, Iron Dome needs a much bigger arc and longer distance to be able to take it out. That's why Hamas is, is uh, augmenting their capacity to fire heavier load, shorter distance missiles in the hope of targeting the communities closer to Gaza. I want to ask you who fired on Israel this week. Give us a second. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web. JMNAM.org. Malcolm Honeline is our guest. Our weekly update is taking place Friday starting at 7.40 Eastern Time here at JMNAM. Reminder, we're on Fifth Avenue this coming Sunday. Our webcast, audiocast, videocast begins at about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. Use the NSN app. JMNAM.org for audio. NahumSiegel.com for video. And a big thank you to our friends uh, at J Drugs, Ronnie and Larry Birnbaum at Kitchen Sink, Doug Sokloff and Company, and the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Hospital in Jerusalem for facilitating our visit to 5th Avenue and 64th Street this coming Sunday. So who did fire on Israel this week? You mentioned, uh, uh, you mentioned uh, mortars a moment ago. We know there was a rocket attack that did deserve and got a red alert. Uh, to the citizens of um, of the area, residents of the area, uh, this week. Then we heard it was actually an exchange or or some type of rocket that was meant from one Palestinian terror group to another Palestinian terror group. What's the what are the true facts behind this week's uh, rocket attack? Well, it's not been finally determined, but it it does not appear to be uh, Hamas. They do not want an escalation right now. That's clear. Uh, I don't think they feel that they're ready for it. They haven't built their tunnels. They have. Uh, they're acquiring more and more weapons all the time. Iran is continuing to help them, even though they had a bit of a split. And we believe that uh, Iran, by the way, is, is providing a lot of weapons to Palestinian Islamic Jihad and perhaps a new group. There are uh, um, numerous incidents between groups, factions within Gaza, and especially between Fatah and, uh, and Hamas. This was a, 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 a act, and it seems that Hamas actually arrested the guys who did this because they feel it jeopardizes them and it might give Israel cover for a stronger retaliatory action. Mm. Israel did strike back at the place where they were launched from, but in a very limited way. 
and nobody, I think, at this point wants to see an escalation because of uh, the activities of, uh, of, you know, some faction or or anybody can do it. I mean, it just too widespread the capacity you go into a field you launch a, a rocket yeah. no sophistication there's no technology involved and somebody wants to cause problems or or instigate something can do it yeah and also you know we're getting to that time of year which was a very sensitive time last year obviously so people paid even more attention to this rocket this week because people are starting to think back oh my gosh is there going to be another summer god forbid like there was last summer uh, on the israel gaza border um, so that was one concern for sure. The other thing is, it's funny, you know, I mentioned this time of year, you, you've already tossed out there the possibility of a UN resolution against Israel. I assume you mean for September, right? The annual meeting and stuff. And every time the calendar turns to June 1st, which essentially it's doing for us now, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's on my list every single week because this is an issue. You know, people think it, it pops up Labor Day. This is an issue you work on all summer long, right? Absolutely. We already started meeting with uh, leaders, and we're scheduling meetings with prime ministers and foreign ministers and heads of state who are coming. Uh, unfortunately, it always coincides with the Umtovim, so it limits our ability. Yeah, but if you survived that calendaric situation last year, you could survive <laughs> yeah. anything, because that was like mamish on Yom Kippur, I think. Very selective, because we can't obviously right. see everybody. But look, the UN is important. What happens there has an impact. Uh, I mentioned the other day the resolution of the stat on the Committee on Status of Women of 193 right. countries, majority of which denying women their rights. In the one country where 30 women get elected to the Knesset, they condemned Israel. Now, <laughs> this week, the UN World Health Organization voted to condemn Israel over health rights. Israel is saving the lives of thousands of Palestinians. All these reports came out about the incredible number who came from Gaza, not just in the West Bank, to be... To be um, Treated what Israel did in every situation where we see the the tragedies in Nepal most recently, and uh, and you know the denial of of um, support for for the health systems in Gaza and other places, and they condemning and, and voting against the the resolution were just I think Australia, Canada, Israel, the U.S. Yeah, and amongst those voting to condemn were China, France, Germany, India, Italy. I mean, it's right. ludicrous. Yeah, not not to endorse apathy, but you can understand why people get apathetic when when these types of things are going on. When this I, third... I understand, but I'm saying to you, we can't afford. I know to be apathetic, nor can we afford to ignore it because that feeds the BDS movement. These kind of resolutions become then justification, saying, "Look, we we are um, we're just follow, following the." Uh, um, steps of the United Nations and other and human rights organizations in their condemnations. Where we are seeing movement, by the way, uh, just on the BDS, the, the, uh, Illinois passed a resolution, a, a, a law against um, uh, those who participate in the boycott, meaning that they can't do business neither with the pension funds, get investments, they can't uh, do business with the state. Oh, you mentioned Canada last week. This is Illinois? I Illinois. Oh. Indiana has done it. Tennessee has done it. How come? Oh, I can't believe we didn't know this. Wow. <laughs> That's big news. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. That's it big is. news. It's, I'm yeah. saying to you, it's very significant. Right. And Congress is working on additional language. Um, they're debating the the Trade Promotion Authority uh, legislation, and that will stipulate that a key American objective in free trade negotiations with the EU includes language that it will discourage anybody from participating in the boycott investments. Now, how does that work in the state house in Illinois? For those in New Jersey who want to do the same thing here, how do they go about doing that? 
get a member to put it in. We have in New York uh, legislation like that. There may be something in New Jersey, but it all needs to be updated. And uh, and uh, th- what they th- you, it's simple. The vote was, by the way, unanimous in the legislature in in Illinois. I don't I, I don't think there was a single vote against it, as I recall. If not, there may be some abstentions. Right. But the the, um, the the question also then is implementation. That you have to see the businesses that in any way participate and flirt with BDS will know that there is a price to pay. Yeah. So no. again, don't dismiss it. It's important, and and we should have this replicated in every state. California has uh, legislation where, in many cases, it, it applies to their pension funds or or state funds. This can be much broader, and the, and the legislation in Congress uh, specifically will target the EU countries, and many of them, as you know, are threatening or doing boycotts of West Bank products or oh, yeah. in general. And the absurdity should spur us on, not make us grow more apathetic. Um, the I, we don't normally discuss sports, but this week I said to, I guarantee it'll come up in this conversation. Uh, forget for a moment the the scandal uh, with FIFA from the uh, point of view of of uh, the investigation, everything they have to go through. There is an effort to throw Israel out of the soccer association, and apparently this effort was going on even way before uh, way before all this uh, information came out about the scandal that they're you know in the headlines for this week. Now again, you know, sports has its own level of uh, of importance, and some might say unimportance. But again, we're talking about a very important symbolic episode here where. Uh, we hope that the right officials are out there fighting uh, on behalf of Israel and making sure they're not thrown out. If they would be thrown out, it would cause a uh, it, it would again legitimize those who are part of the BDS movement. Yes, and what happens in sports does impacts larger segments of the population who look at these things and um, may act on it or, or be influenced by it. I do. I think right now that the tendency is going in the right direction. The head of FIFA. The current head, whether he will be oh, after this yeah. week, we don't know. <laughs> right. But at least for now, uh, visited Israel and came out against it. And, and it's an initiative that is being pushed against against throwing Israel out. You're saying right? No, the initiative to throw Israel right. out is yeah. He came out right. against throwing it out. Right. But the Palestine, this is a Palestinian Authority initiative led by Jibril Rajub, uh, and he is the head of their football association, saying that they're discriminated against, that all sorts of things. It's another means of putting pressure. It's another way to promote the BDS agenda, and I hope that the countries will will reject it. Yeah, it's amazing, actually, that Israel has remained in, in most of these major sports uh, associations over the years. I don't know what, you know, in basketball and other things that they play in in Europe, I, I have no idea if there's been... You know, major efforts over the years to get them tossed out. I have no idea. But. There have been efforts, but more important is you have to see sometimes the response of audiences to the presence of the Israelis, some really vicious... Uh, oh, sometimes they have to play in front of no fans because they're either worried about security or worried about the way people are going to be act toward the Israelis, as you just mentioned, etc., uh, all right, the U.S. ISIS strategy. We keep reading articles about the uh, United Nations, especially I saw the article today in the New York Times vis-a-vis the um, the holy sites that are being plundered and the antiquities that are being plundered by ISIS. Uh, that's a big concern of the United Nations. And then we keep reading articles about the U.S. strategy and what the president needs to do in terms of uh, developing a real strategy against ISIS. It does seem, and we I, mean, I mentioned this last week, it does seem that there's no concrete Step. There's no concrete plan 
moving forward how to deal with them as they continue to expand and plunder. Anything different this week than last? Yes, that they've uh, they've scored some successes. They're clearly uh, limiting the uh, Assad forces when they they are shooting from the suburbs of uh, Damascus. And uh, as I said for the, from the beginning several years ago here, you remember that you always have to watch two things: Aleppo and Damascus. And right. if they fall, he falls. And there's talk that he's going to retreat to that uh, Alawite area near Latakia in the north of of Syria. We have a large Alawite population, and he would create some sort of safe zone there. Uh, obviously, the Russians have a big interest in that and uh, have been uh, building some capacity in that regard. By the way, when you talk about the historic places, you know, people have read about Palmyra right. and the ruins there. Getting a lot of publicity. Roman ruins. You know that ma- many of the inscriptions are in Hebrew. So I imagine. At, but also, Anbar, you know, the Anbar province, mm-hmm. Anbar was Pompadisa. <laughs> And the the places that we read about, Fallujah, was also a great center of Jewish learning. And that the there are Talmudic names for, for these places. Yeah, I mean, dominated Jewish history. Uh, so, uh, how far back would we go? Uh, 1,700 years ago? Would that make sense? Around that area? Around 1,700 in the Gaulish Babel. Right. And the, uh, but people don't know that. And, and Palmyra is not just a place. It's a city of 200,000 people. About half of them are gone already. But the ISIS has uh, continued to to expand at a time when we were told they were being set back. So one second. So when they take over Idlib, and I have no idea where or what that is, and we read about it, and it's and it's painted, especially in today's papers, as a you know a big uh, um, a victory for the enemy or for ISIS in this case. So it's not Aleppo, it's not Damascus. So that's not considered an advance or a victory against Assad. Sure, it is. It's a huge. It's huge. Every time they consolidate. The whole. By the way, this involves taking over military bases. It's how they get a lot of equipment. It's also critical to their funding because they impose taxes. They loot everything in the areas they take over, which provides them with millions and millions of dollars each time. They did it in Palmyra. They're doing it there. And uh, so it has implications beyond just geography, but it establishes their uh, their presence. And um, I know that Syria is preparing the evacuation of other key military bases, um, the the um, the growth of ISIS, by the way, not just in Syria, not just in Iraq, but also in Libya, where they've expanded their reach and where they have established a, a strong foothold. But in Malaysia, we read this week about the activities of, of ISIS and how they have uh, recruited many people and, and members of the let's say, regular Muslim community in Malaysia uh, rallying to its flag in, in Philippines and other places. Uh, the Assad regime has been retreating on, on many of the fronts, and uh, this is uh, the uh, test to the difficulties of Hezbollah and the uh, Syrian army and the, the, the other assistance they get from Iran, finding enough people to fight on all the fronts because they're engaged all over. We've seen a re- reorientation of the al-Qaeda troops there, al-Nusra, which was in control of much of the border with, with Israel, and it seems that they are regrouping and they're trying to win support amongst the people, even though they've killed hundreds and hundreds of people, um, and they are, are looking, uh, they're all looking to take a wait-and-see attitude, but this is a shift which is looking now to the day after, about who will reign. Right now, obviously, the picture is one of, of chaos, and, uh, um, you know, we, we see it spread into um, 
in Iraq, for instance, there was an important story about how Iraq provides hundreds of millions of dollars to ISIS. Why? Because they continue to pay government employees. The money is siphoned off by the ISIS in the areas they control. And, uh, and each year this funds a lot of their activities, additional activities. It's so much more complicated when, than people think that it's just simply somebody taking over a dusty village. That's not what, what's happening here. And the, the implications of ISIS growing and taking over more and more territory yeah. and being able to be a critical factor. Now, we may see the division of Syria into Shiite, Sunni. Is there a stat on how many Sunni refugees there are in the Middle East now? No. It's in the hundreds of thousands, right? Millions. It's in the millions? Yeah. There are millions of Sunni refugees. Well, if you go to Jordan alone, you have a million and a half. If, uh, in Lebanon, probably uh, close to a million. Uh, you have them in Turkey. You have them in Egypt. Iraq? It, well, they're in Iraq, but now they're running away from Iraq, too. There's no, uh, yeah, there's no uh, uh, safe haven anymore in Iraq because, the, you know, the Iranians moving in and the militias. And by the way, sometimes Sunni militias are just as vicious when they take over uh, Shiite villages or get into these complex situations. So if in reality uh, a country or a superpower could step in to help the Sunni refugees, they'd be rehabilitating eventually what you would describe to be pretty militant terrorists as well. No, I mean, the, first of all, you have a lot of minority groups. You have uh, people, and there's the humanitarian aspect. And many of the Sunnis are not involved in, in the conflict. They've lived peacefully in these areas, but the... You know, to find, if you would say, can you find someone who's going to take over? Who can unite Syria? How, who, what coalition? It's going to be very hard to, um, to, to, to identify them and to target. And it's hard to fight them because they're integrated into the population. You know, we remember the <laughs> statistics we read about the Israeli Air Force last summer. You know that one out of every four of the U.S. air missions that they fly over Syria have dropped bombs which means that three out of four do not. <laughs> because they're following Israel rules, this rules of engagement that to avoid civilian casualties. Um, they look at a picture like from a UAV, like the Israeli did, and they, they have to grant authority to engage and are reluctant to do so. And you know that Israel paid a heavy price for imposing upon itself yeah, of course. restrictions. Uh, yeah, I wasn't trying to suggest that every Sunni ends up being a terrorist, but I just... It, 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 no, I, I'm, my point was that they are so integrated into right. the population, you know, that you have the mixed things. Now you have much more separation that the areas where Sunnis are, you don't have Shiites, and where Shiites are, you don't have Sunnis. Uh, because the divisions have been... You know what's miraculous, and you know the history a lot better than anybody else, it, it's miraculous that they did live together uh, for so many decades, that there wasn't this push either, you know, um, because of war or because of negotiations and politics to to essentially split the country. Well, there always has been tension, and uh, that is why you need a strong leader, because these are artificial constructs, Syria, Libya, many of these countries were created by the colonial powers. They were not natural states like Egypt, which has a long history, or Morocco. This this is the unraveling of those uh, arrangements made almost 100 years ago after World War One, And when the French and British divided up the area, the, the uh, these were not natural divisions, and you had persecution of people against each other 
going on for all of this time. And the most stable of those governments then today, ironically enough, would still be Syria and what, Saudi Arabia? The Jordan also, I guess you'd have to Syria say. Syria is not stable at all. There is no... There is no government in Syria today. Yeah, but if that was the case, they, the United States wouldn't be supporting Assad to the, to the level they are. They want to see him survive, no? No, that's not. They don't. The they don't see. Is to have Assad survive, they would like to see him leave yesterday, and, and maybe somebody new come in, and that may, might make it easier to end negotiations. But they have always pushed for trying to bring the parties together to have a negotiated settlement to stop the fighting. It is not to support. Pre- preferably under Assad's leadership. No. Really? No, no, no. Assad has to go. That's part of the deal of any outcome of this conflict would be that Assad would have to go. The problem is, of course, that Iran is supporting him and the Russians. And this puts, again, the United States at odds. And it's why we do not have common interests with Iran, not there, not anywhere else, and why we support them and, and, you know, deal with them on the nuclear issue. We know that they're lying and cheating there. They're lying and cheating on all these other things. They supply weapons. They're continuing to foment unrest. They're expanding the role. That's why I made the mention earlier about what they're doing in Yemen with more fighters, more more destabilization. They're doing it inside Saudi Arabia. They're doing it in Sudan. They're doing it in Libya. Uh, You know, Iran is the major destabilizing force. Had we dealt with Iran, we could have dealt with all these other situations in a very different context. They are the fulcrum. They are the... They are, are, remain, and will be the fulcrum. Um, does it matter that uh, Tony Blair is leaving his position as special, special Mideast envoy? Yes, he's, I think he's played by and large a constructive role, and uh, I'm sure that um, the Prime Minister is not happy, and Netanyahu is not happy to see him leave. We don't know who will take his place. Hmm. The Europeans, uh, I think he probably was too pro-Israel for some of the Europeans, and... Um, uh, well, we'll see if it continues to play a role in another context. And what does it mean, not that you have to explain someone else's position, but you certainly could help us understand it better. What, what does it mean when the former Prime Minister of Israel, Ehud Barak, says that it's time for Israel to disengage from the Palestinians? What, what is he suggesting? Simple, Simply a two-state solution or something more drastic than that? Well, no, he, that, he's, he, that, that doesn't rise. When you say disengage, in most cases it means uh, that we uh, that they not uh, have the rule that they don't rule over a Palestinian population. Right, essentially two states, areas, right? In other areas, it, it doesn't necessarily mean statehood. But he did, if you remember, the Barack plan offered statehood to the Palestinians. Right, offered them ninety-five percent plus of what they wanted, and they rejected it. So you cannot unilaterally do it. That was the lesson of the Gaza disengagement. Um, one of the lessons of many, but you can't do it unilaterally. You just can't just walk away and say, you know, well, these are the areas we're taking and we're, we're leaving the rest. It has to be negotiated. And that's the, the obla of all of this is that the Palestinians don't want to negotiate. That's why the UN resolution, and as I explained to some of the Europeans this week, who, who I think honestly didn't really understand why the depth of our opposition, I said, if you just take it on the basis of wanting to have a negotiated settlement, Ultimately, you are undermining it, because why will Abbas ever do anything? If the Vatican recognizes them, all of you do, you dump on Israel, you make one-sided resolutions, mm. you will create facts that he will never have to negotiate, never have to come to the table, which means you will never have meaningful negotiations. Yeah. And I think that, that you know, Barack and others make a lot of statements, people who, who there are many Israelis, I think majority, who uh, would agree to some sort of a settlement where they don't have to control or interact on a daily basis. It doesn't mean every opinion has to be said publicly. 
uh, doesn't mean it has to be said publicly, and it does undermine because it puts more pressure than yeah. on the government of Israel at a time when uh, not enough yeah. pressure as it is. That's why we have to concentrate on the unity and the togetherness and all the things we have in common. Well, I think Iran is an example, and why I would hope that in, in Israel at least they could do that, and that the Knesset focus, uh, BDS, all these things are, are unifying things. When you get to the issue of uh, negotiations and what, what should be done, you know, this is not just a decision Israel can make. It, it, it's it's a, a decision that needs other parties, meaning somebody to negotiate with. And the, to, to put all the pressure on Israel coming from inside Israel only augments the problem that a government of Israel faces. And there's every government, including Netanyahu, just in the last day, said he's ready to negotiate. Yeah. All right, enjoy Sunday. Don't forget when people uh, stop you on Fifth Avenue, make sure to mention to them that I deserve a key to the thermostat at WFMU, which they still refuse to give me after 31 years. So I can't please. Believe that. Yeah, please, I'm begging you. I think there should be a U.N. resolution. Maybe I can get the government of Tennessee to pass a resolution that this is part of the BDS movement. If it'll help, I'm yeah. begging you to do so. <laughs> Have a wonderful Shabbos. There he is. It's uh, Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, with our weekly update. It did sound like he was on my side of the issue, on the most important issue about the thermostat. It did sound like it toward the end, that he was ready to support me in this uh effort against WFMU management that has uh, created a stir. And remember, WFMU management has come around to drop. Ken Friedman did declare that 30 years from now, he's ready to give me a key to the thermostat. And I won't be sitting here boiling hot on a Friday morning in, uh, the, at the end of May. He did say that at 30 years from now, but not necessarily after my 31st year. Obviously. By the way, speaking of the parade on Sunday, I just got a great comment on the app. It says here, how about a shout out to the Berman Hebrew Academy Middle School from Rockville, Maryland, who's trucking up I-95 on Sunday to march in the parade. It says here, do you know how difficult it is to get a whole busload of middle school students to Shacharis at 6 a.m. on a Sunday? But for Israel, it's totally worth it, but not easy. Well, Rabbi, thank you very much for that, and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday, and yes, of course, your school gets an amazing and incredible shout-out for that, as do all the groups that are coming to Fifth Avenue on Sunday. I again take this opportunity to thank everybody who's made it possible for us to be on Fifth Avenue. A special shout-out this morning to Ronnie and Larry Birnbaum, Jay Drugs, Brooklyn, New York, all three of their incredible locations. Uh, they know how to celebrate Israel. They've taught us how to celebrate Israel over these decades, and they'll be doing it again this coming Sunday, and uh, we thank them. A uh, big thank you to Doug Sockloff and everybody at Kitchen Sink. As I said, Doug has a uh, unique ability to make a splash on Celebrate Israel Parade Sunday. And uh, he's making sure that we're able to broadcast from there this coming Sunday on our app, at, at the NSN app, and on uh, and on our stream at jmnam.org. And a special shout-out to the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Yerushalayim. Uh, yeah, the office is based in New York, but the hospital is in Yerushalayim. Uh, they also have... Um, joined in to make sure we can broadcast on 5th Avenue. It's much appreciated. We look forward to seeing you, 64th Street, 5th Avenue, on Sunday for the big parade show. See everything at NahumSiegel.com. Hear everything on the NSN app. Looking forward to a great day. Special shout-out to Petopia and to Eden Walk, who I'm told are going to be catering our show on Sunday. Always an important factor, and I thank both of those great uh, kosher culinary institutions. Much appreciated. And I thank all of you. Don't forget, Matis will have JM Sunday starting at 7 o'clock in the morning. He'll have JM Sunday from 7 until 9 with a newscast in English from Israel. So keep that in mind for Sunday. And the parade show will begin at about 11 a.m.
uh, Eastern Time. And we are scheduled to be there from 11 until 3, Bezrat Hashem, 11 until 3. Pray for good weather. Look forward to seeing everybody. Look forward to seeing everybody at the amazing concert, 72nd Street and 5th Avenue, which will go until 7.30 p.m. God Elbaz and Lipa and Avram Rosenblum and Shlemy Dax and his orchestra. So many great acts are expected. So many wonderful speakers as well. Governor Mike Huckabee and Ambassador Bolton all expected to be part of the proceedings on Sunday. Monday, we'll have a little bit of a throwback day at JM in the AM when we, when we uh, talk about the Nostalgia album by Maishi Menlowitz. A little bit of a throwback day. Shia Menlowitz and he has promised me some other great, um, Jewish music legends are going to join us on Monday as well to discuss oldies but goodies here at JM in the AM. This time each every Friday, every Arab Shabbos with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden. Spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pashas Nosso. Pashas Nosso has a distinction of containing the most number of psukim in the Torah, 176. Interestingly, the longest chapter in Tanakh is that of Tehillim, Kufya Tes 119, and that contains 176 psukim, and the longest volume of Torah Shabal Peh of Shas is that of Bava Basra, with, by now you guessed it, 176 blat. Uh, According to the Chinuch, the parsha of Naso contains seven positive mitzvos, mitzvos asay, and eleven prohibitions, mitzvos los asay. Included in the parsha, you have the halacha of ish es kadoshav lo yeyeh, the beautiful idea not only in accordance with the literal understanding that the Jewish farmer was able to give his truma and ma'aser to whichever Kohen Levi he wanted, but on a much deeper level, says the Chafetz Chaim, Seichet Tzadik Levracha, Ish es Kadoshav, Lo yiyeh, namely, that which is holy, that which you give away, lo with a vav, possessive, yiyeh, that is yours. Ultimately, what do you take with you? Esasher la kohen, that which you give, lo yiyeh, that's yours. You have in Parshas Naso the story of the Sota, the laws of the Nazir, Birkas Kohanim, the mitzvah for the Kohanim to bless the people, and finally, the length of the parasha comes from the fact that the Torah repeats the specific offering that each of the princes brought at the occasion of the dedication of the Mishkan and the Torah repeats this no less than 12 times. Let's begin with this repetition. 
which clearly troubles many of the Mefarshim. It troubles the Medrash, Rabbeinu Bachaya, Sapurno, and so many of the commentaries. We know if there's not an extra word, not an extra letter in the Torah, why does the Torah repeat the what appears to be identical offering 12 times? And the answer that the Midrash and the Mefarshim that I cited give is that while on the surface it might appear to be the same, in reality they were very different. They were different because the motivation which each tribe brought for their respective carbon was different. Indeed, I think we can appreciate it that in place of korbanos today, in place of the offerings, is prayer. And while each of us say the identical prayer, each one of us brings to the prayer and takes from the prayer a different perspective. And so, for example, both the tribe of Yisachar and Zavulun points out Rav Pinkis, Levracha, in his Tiferes Torah, each of them brought a Korban Ola. A Korban Ola is reflective of Mesiras Nefesh, an incredible sense of literally selflessness, devotion to God. The tribe of Zavulan, who were literally merchants and went out on the seas in order to bring to various countries the wares, to bring back import-export, they looked upon their korban, Ola, as a demonstration of their Mesiras Nefesh for God, for the tribe of Yisachar that they were supporting, and in their minds, wow, this is Mesiras Nefesh. Their brother that they were supporting, they were proud of, but my goodness, what kind of Mesiras Nefesh is that? When you are sitting in the base Medrash, literally, Me'ain Olam Haba. And the tribe of Yisachar, who was sitting in the base Medrash, said to themselves, My goodness, my brother, he is going and he's traveling all over the world, and it's exciting on his behalf. That's Mesiras Nefesh. We have Mesiras Nefesh in the sense that we close out the material world for the most part and we delve into Torah. Each one brought their own uniqueness and individuality so that in reality what you have from the Nesim is this kind of mizug, this kind of blend, 
this kind of integration between, on the one hand, individuality, and on the other hand, a kind of uniformity. And, in reality, this is what and how the Parsha continues. In last week's Parsha of Bamidbar, we have the counting of B'nai Yisrael. Now watch, regarding the counting of B'nai Yisrael, it really is almost most strange that the Torah calls the counting B'mispar Shemos, literally by number, by name. The two together is almost an oxymoron, namely B'mispar represents a fusion, a union, a joining together. You can only count those things that are united. I cannot count tables and chairs because they are separate unless I combine them by calling them pieces of furniture. So numbers is what connects and unites. A shame, a name, is what gives each individual, each object, its uniqueness, its independence. By counting them, the mispar shemos, the Torah is saying, look here, each individual is a mispar, he's part of the bigger picture, he's part of the seaboard, he's part of the whole. But at the same time, you're not to lose your individuality. You've got a name. You've got your own identity. And it's this mizug, it's this blending, integrating those two factors, which represents a very special theme to our Parsha. And so, moving on in the Parsha, what do we find? We have the Sota and we have the Nazir. The Sota, by her actions, the suspected adulteress, she is running towards the accent on the more physical pleasures of life. And the Nazir, the Nazirite, who takes a vow of abstinence minimally for 30 days from wine, from cutting his hair, from attending funerals, he is running away from the physical. And in reality, what the Torah is telling us is that both extremes are no good. In fact, it's a major debate between the Rambam and the Ramban as to why the Nazir is called a chote. Because when he finishes his term of being a Nazir, one of the offerings that he brings is a chatos, a sin offering. The Ramban is very sharp and says, why does he bring his sin offering? Because he is returning for and to his former way. And that in of itself is a kind of urida. That in of itself is a kind of diminution. And therefore, he brings a chatos to reflect this 
now decline in stature. But the Rambam learns differently. The Rambam says that while the Nazir might well have been motivated, but the manner in which he did it, to abstain, is not the ideal. The ideal is that we are put into this world to enjoy. We're put into this world to take wine as we do, please God, tonight, and we lift up the cup. By lifting up the cup, we are basically demonstrating that we are uplifting the physical. The ability for us to take literally the physical aspects of this world and to infuse them with sanctity and kedusha. And so, either extreme is no good, and in reality, this is what we find in Birkas Kohanim. The three verses of Birkas Kohanim, as found in this week's parsha, namely, Yivorechacha Hashem V'Yishmerecha, this is understood to be the bracha of Gashmius, that God should reward the Jewish people with sustenance, that which they need. The second blessing, Yo'er Hashem Ponov Elecha, literally, Hashem should illuminate His countenance for you. This is the concept of spirituality. So, what is the third bracha? The Yosem Lecha Shalom, the proper integration between the two. And here is where the challenge comes. That in reality, each person, each Jew, has this very delicate task that he has to balance. On the one hand, he's part of the tzibur, part of the klal, part of the community. The community needs him, he needs the community. But on the other hand, there is his individuality. And once again, I turn to Rav Pincus, who says something very sharp, and that is as follows. We are familiar with the Zohar that says, and what is another significance to the very name Yisrael? He says the Zohar, Yesh Shishim Rebo Osios Latora. There are six hundred thousand letters in the Torah. The number six hundred thousand is reminiscent of the Jewish people. So each Jew represents another letter in the Torah. And remember, in accordance with Jewish law, each letter must be separate one from the other. Says Rav Pincus, excuse me, there are no 600,000 letters in the Torah. The number is approximately half. And he suggests a very sharp resolve. He says whenever a scribe writes a letter in the Torah, first he does so in a light outline form, which he calls the letters of Lavan. And then when he has the form which is clearly visible, then he fills in each letter with the black ink. So in reality, it's both the white and the black which yield the number 600,000.
100,000. The very powerful lesson for each and every one of us is as follows, that each and every Jew must begin by recognizing he is bound to the Torah. He's bound by the laws of the Torah. And once he realizes that he has, by definition, the laws of the Torah which govern his life, then the black ink on each letter representing each person's individuality. Some people sing the davening, others recite it out loud, others to themselves. Each person brings their own nature. Torah, Avoda, Gemilas Hasadim, we need all parts to make that total unit. And let's close with a very powerful introduction to the book of Bereshis by the Nitziv, who says, ouch, at the time of Bias Shani, the problem was that each group only recognized the authenticity of their group and didn't represent and didn't give honor and homage to the others. As long as they are rooted in Torah, Parshas Naso teaches that the twelve Nisim each had a different approach to God and each one respected the other. That was the greatness of the Nisim. And that is the challenging lesson that Parshas Naso presents to each and every one of us. Shabbat Shalom to all. Western Wall on Friday night, his first time ever there. Strapped into his knapsack with his long and curly hair. He stood there for a while, then broke out with a smile, motion overwhelming joy with tears. The men were dancing there, the heart so full of love. They sang such happy tunes to thank the one above for showing them the way, for giving them a day. Rest, rejoice with peace of mind to pray.
He asked to join with us To understand and see He spent some time with us In total ecstasy Next Shabbos came along His feelings grew so strong He first began to feel that he belonged Just one Shabbos and we'll all be free Just one Shabbos, come and join with me Let's sing and dance through the sky With our spirits so high We will show them all it's true Let them come and join us too Just one Shabbos and we'll all be free Just one You got it. We got into this throwback mood with all the talk about the, the nostalgia CD from Maishi Menlewitz. So there's MBD with just one Shabbos. If that song is not that familiar to you, then <laughs> you may be on the newer generation side of our listening audience. What an amazing classic. Erev Shabbos Parshas Nusso, candlelighting at 7.59, getting ready for the Celebrate Israel Parade on Sunday. Make sure to be tuned into the uh, webcast. The video cast, the audio cast. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you have the NSN app. Oh, uh, later this morning we're going to be posting on the Nahum Siegel Network Facebook update page. We're going to be posting the um, bingo cards that you need in order to follow the... Uh, and is now going to follow the... Um, 
The bingo cards you need to follow the activity at the parade. Thank you. That's what I meant to say. Um, coming up at 9 o'clock, it's going to be uh, Naomi Nachman. She's got a brand new edition of Table for Two. Naomi today speaks with blogger Liz Rubin of Kosher Like Me, Grillmaster Ellie Hoffman, and Jesse Blonder, who is the owner of CKCA. They'll share the announcement. Oh, he'll share an announcement. That Naomi's going to cooking school this summer. Yeah, the details coming up between 9 and 10 this morning, followed by the Kedem presentation of the um, Erev Shabbos music mix that goes all the way until candlelighting time. Candlelighting at 7.59 in this Erev Shabbos. Matis early Sunday morning with JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Parade from 5th Avenue starting at 11 a.m. under the leadership of uh, Miriam L. Wallach and Mark Zamek. And a great team that we'll see on Fifth Avenue and hear from on Fifth Avenue. Can't wait to see everybody there and to share the excitement of the Celebrate Israel Parade. And uh, Monday morning, we'll have an opportunity to uh, talk about some oldies but goodies as we focus on the Nostalgia CD released by Maishi Menlowitz uh, just a few days ago. We'll do that here Monday at JM in the AM. should have mentioned this during the weekly update, and uh, I don't know how I forgot to do so. Uh, the Houston uh, community obviously is uh, going through a massive challenge, as you can imagine, and the president and chief executive officer of the Jewish Federation of Greater Houston, that's uh, Lee Wunsch, has uh, issued a statement 
And the statement reads, worst flooding in 15 years, very bad, but what we need most is money. At the end of the day, we'll be helping hundreds of families who have major damage to their homes and will likely be displaced for two to four months while repairs are underway. Thanks, whatever you could do, Shabbat Shalom. So with hundreds of displaced families in the Jewish community, millions in damage, and North national organizations not sending enough to support this devastation, they are asking for help. You can go to um, HoustonJewish.org slash Houston flood Houston Jewish dot org slash Houston flood and if you see some of the pictures that have been posted it's uh just unbelievable the devastation so whatever we could do to help obviously is going to be much appreciated keep Houston in mind everybody the community down there has uh, suffered greatly since uh what started uh, just after Yuntif uh this past week these massive rains and this horrible flooding. So it's Houston Jewish org, Houston Jewish dot org slash Houston flood, Houston Jewish dot org slash Houston flood. Reminder, we're at the Celebrate Israel Parade on Sunday. Come out and show support for Israel. Encourage your friends and neighbors over the weekend to do the same. To come and show support and be there to celebrate the amazing miracle which is the State of Israel. Arab Shabbos Parsha's Nassau, candle lighting at 7.59. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Time to say good Shabbos at JM in the AM.
of Israel, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. up an amazing week for us here at JM in the AM. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Sunday, it's going to be a big day. Celebrate Israel Parade on Fifth Avenue. Make sure to be tuned in all day long on the NSN app, jmtheam.org, nachomsegel.com. Enjoy all the proceedings from Fifth Avenue. Naomi Nachman is next. You can see everything at nachomsegel.com. Hear it all on our stream at jmtheam.org. And um, the Kedem Erev Shabbos music mix follows from 10 a.m. all the way until, until I was about to say midnight, all the way until candle lighting time. Have a fabulous Shabbos, a great weekend, everybody. Celebrate Israel this coming Sunday. Till then, Alchem Sigal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.